welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. Have you ever asked yourself this question? How do I grow? How do I grow? Maybe you haven't used those exact words, or maybe as I say it, some of you are like, yes, I have. I know exactly what you mean. Words, ideas, pictures come to mind. But maybe if you're more like me, I don't ask that that often, but I say things like, man, how do I get better at X? Um, How come I keep getting stuck in this? Um, How how can I fix this relationship? Why can't I seem to deal with this particular thing in my life? Or sometimes I'll say, man, I wish I was more like that person in a particular area. If you've said anything like this, and I'm sure I'm not alone, and it's, it's a question of growth, like personal growth. How do I uh, get better? How do I become someone more of who I've wanted to be? And it isn't just about skill acquisition or a little more this or a little more that. As you get older, you realize, oh, yeah, there's things in my life that kind of um, need to grow, that I want to grow. Uh, um, Growth is kind of actually a built-in human expectation. <laughs> um, I have kids who are a little bit older now, but years ago when they were first born, you know, my parents and, and Jen's parents would call right after the delivery. Oh, how did it go? And, and, and they would want to know all about the new life. You know, how, how many pounds did they weigh? Like, what did you name him? You know, what was the delivery like? How are they doing? Right? All about new life. Now, today when they call, uh, if they said, hey, how's Noah doing? Noah's 16. I wouldn't say, well, you know, he was eight pounds and and tell them about new life. No, they want to know what's he doing now. I hope he's not eight pounds now. Like what's going on in his life now? They're wanting to know how growth has taken place and not just sort of height, weight and all of that kind of stuff. The idea of that, that young person, that new life is actually becoming someone new through growth. And we know actually so built in, you know, biologically, we understand that growth is a part of new life. And, and it, it is, um, uh, we realize it's not just to do with our bio, biological life, but as you get older, you realize, oh, in my emotional life, in my, um, in my mental life, psychologically, in my spiritual life, in my relationships, I'm meant to grow. And, and any of you that have, you know, friends of mine who are, are doctors or naturopaths or chiropractors or physiotherapists or occupational therapists, they, they tell me about how interconnected, and we know this now far more than we used to know, how interconnected mind, body, emotions, relationships, spirit all are. It's all part of, we can't even actually separate it and just say, oh yeah, growth in the biological sense. No, we understand growth is, if we can say it this way, growth is essential, Growth is an essential part of being human. It's what it means to be alive and to grow. It's essential. Um, At the same time, though, it's not um, random. Uh, If I eat uh, one Krispy Kreme donut, which I love Krispy Kreme donuts, I'm not going to automatically grow this way if I just randomly do that. Likewise, if I randomly change or you randomly change your diet here and there, whatever, nothing actually is going to happen. If you randomly work out once or twice a month, you're not going to grow more muscles just like that. You're not, your cardio is not going to grow and, and, and improve. Um, growth is, is not random. It's, it's not accidental either. Okay, like if you're a high high school student, a grade school student, you're studying math, you don't accidentally just get better at solving mathematical problems. Oh, look at that. 
Yesterday I got a C, today I got an A. It just happened, right? You don't accidentally uh, get better at anything. And so when we talk about growth or becoming more of what we want to be or who we're meant to be, we know it's not random, it's not accidental, it's not just essential, it is intentional. Um, any of you that are a parent know uh, if you want your child to grow, you have to be intentional about the environment that you're creating for them to thrive mentally, physically, socially, all that. And not perfect, but you have to be consistent and create something over time that over time produces results. You know growth not only is essential, but you have to be intentional about it. Um, the same is actually true in our faith life. Um, and as we, you maybe heard me say last week, when we talk about faith and spirituality, we're not, hear me, we're not talking about this little area of your life that's separate from the other areas of your life, like we call it, you have a bucket maybe. And in that bucket, you might put yoga for your spirituality, or some people put meditation, or some people put church or religion or whatever, and some people have nothing in it because they don't need it. That's not what the biblical writers understood to be faith or spirituality as sort of this disconnected, non-material floaty up there in the, in the world kind of thing. But spirituality, according to the writers of the Bible, was actually uh, describing all of life. And so in a sense, our spiritual life, where we can say that our faith includes mind, body, um, soul, emotions, relationships. And interesting, and so in a sense, like um, growth is an essential part of our faith life, that our, if faith is actually something we're meant to grow, whether you'd say you're a person of faith or not, that actually that as we grow our spirituality, as we grow our faith life, our life with God, it actually allows all aspects of life to grow as well. The scriptures actually tell us that when Jesus came, he not only gave us new life, he gave us new life, but implicit in that new life is also growth, that this is actually a part of faith, not just new life, but growth. It is essential and is intentional. But the question is then, well, what kind of growth what, what, what growth are we talking about when we talk about growing our faith? And, and in some senses, I'm sure that's probably what brought you to church today. That's probably, even if you've never been, you know, and if you are a regular part of this, you'd say, yeah, that's want to grow my faith. Now, some of you maybe just came for the coffee, which is totally awesome. You can do that. Um, some of you in your high school, you probably just came to find a date, which is totally cool too. That's where I met my wife. Um, but right, you probably are here in some respects. You're like, yeah, I think I want to grow my faith. But what is, what kind of growth are we talking about? Is it like, um, uh, you know, uh, a building growth, like that you structure and that you plan and you get machines to dig out and excavate and pour foundation and build? Is it, is it a, a mechanistic kind of, uh, um, you know, mechanical thing? Is that what we're talking about? Growth like that? Um, or is it like stock market, right? Where you find the right, um, you know, algorithm to predict sort of uh, stock success, get on the growth curve. Is it exponentially getting more of the same thing? The accumulation of one thing. Is that what we're talking about? Stock market growth, like that kind of thing? Um, or is it growth like, like steroids, you know, where you put the right stuff in you and you work out like crazy? Is that what spiritual growth is about? Well, actually, Jesus and the New Testament writers, in fact, uh, many of the writers all the way through uh, the library of Scripture, both the, what we call the Old Testament and the New Testament, the dominant metaphor they use to describe growth is that of a tree. A tree. And, and, and uh, when, if you take a, 
actually several passages and different verses that paint the picture of what this tree is in, in terms of what it means to grow spiritually. It's this idea that um, we as human beings sort of organically are made alive in God and that we find our life by being planted into and near and putting roots down into God, our life source. Um, and, and so that through that life source, we are not only made alive and kept alive, but we are able to grow. And, and so we have roots that are, are stable and we draw our life from God, our life source. And then hear me, what happens to the tree is that eventually we as people become a life source for others. That, that's what the tree does. This picture of the tree, actually Jesus described it once as this tree that grows. And then as it grows, it provides like shelter, you know, for the animals that come and nest in there. It provides shade for people and animals who need rest and respite from the heat of life. <laughs> and then fruit that actually nourishes the people and animals around it. So this is the picture of actually, and, and year after year after year, this picture of like ongoing fruitfulness in and out of season, the stability of a tree that can even survive in hard times, in times of drought, and not just survive, but thrive, keep on producing fruit. That is the biblical picture of what spiritual growth is, about what faith is. That we are a tree planted in a life source that is God and who not only gives us life, but allows us to become a life source for others that God lives in us. And we therefore become the kind of person, a kind of community that where people can find a home uh, as they, that we, they feel at home when they're with us, that we are the kind of person, the kind of community where they, where people can find rest and respite and shade from hard times where we are kind of community, kind of person that produces fruit, that nourishes and delights the people around us year after year after year. Now, who doesn't want that, right? What, what a beautiful picture of what spiritual growth or faith is meant to be. And so I want to pause for a moment and just give you a chance uh, on your own or wherever you are, if you're near people or whatever, you can yell at them if you're separated by a couple of seats, to just discuss or reflect on this question. Um, what of this picture of kind of faith, um, you know, that being like a tree is new to you? Um, and in that picture, what's appealing about it? or what is sort of um, confusing or challenging about that. So take a few minutes and just reflect on that question. And, and if we think about faith like that, what does that mean?
So if that's what faith is meant to be, that kind of picture of a tree that is rooted and deep and strong and stable and life-giving year after year, even in hard times. And let's say that's a beautiful picture that we would want. (laughs) How does that happen? How do we actually grow? Well, that's the series that we are in for the next eight weeks. So if that's a question you have, and maybe you're sort of new to faith or you're exploring faith, you're someone who is following Jesus and you're like, yeah, I want to grow. How does that actually happen? Over the next eight weeks as a community, we're exploring that question. And we're doing it through the lens of something that we as a church call our faith catalysts. Um, And what we mean is that there are things, even though in a sense like, um, you know, your faith is, is, is essential and you need to be intentional about it. There's a sense in which it's kind of a miracle of growth, right? It's, growth is a miracle. It's, it's actually built into the universe but that God created in a miraculous way. But it's not accidental. It's not random. And so we believe there are things that you and I, we can do as individuals and as a community that allow us to grow or give God space, if I can say it that way, in our lives for faith to grow. There are things that we can do that actually catalyze the growth of faith in our lives. And so um, we're going to take these next eight weeks to go through these faith catalysts together. And the first one we're looking at today is one we call Celebrate Weekly our faith catalyst of celebrating with you. And what that describes is the activity or the action or the intentionality of coming together every seven days as a community to celebrate and worship together. Now, this is something that actually um, the church has been doing for 2,000 years since Jesus started the church. Um, gathering together. And even though the church has gone through many different phases and been in many different cultures and, and the songs in many different languages and the Bible itself translated in so many different languages and different forms, this commonality of every seven days and oftentimes more, the church meeting together, gathering together in homes, in buildings, places of worship, movie theaters, community centers, wherever, um, has been something that has been a core part of the church. It is the, 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 the weekly gathering. Um, now, even as I say that, that sort of the idea of like gathering together as a church is not maybe uh, um, uncommon at all. In fact, for some of you, that's, that idea is synonymous with the word church. We, we, in many ways, think of church as a place you go on Sundays. <laughs> um, but there's a reason we actually need to think about this for, for a moment together as a faith catalyst, as something that is meant to spark faith particularly because for some of us, that was never the experience. Church was just kind of this boring thing we did out of routine or tradition or guilt, you know, to just try to keep God happy or, or maybe more importantly, like our mother or our mother-in-law or our grandfather or whatever. Like that's what we did it for. We never thought about it as something that could actually help us grow. And maybe perhaps sadly, because it wasn't a place, it wasn't a, a, an event, a weekly gathering that helped you grow, but it is meant to do that. Even more so, though, the reason we need to talk about it now is because for good chunks of the last 18 months, we weren't able to gather in person. Now, I am so thankful um, that um, our, our, the technological revolution, many aspects of it that uh, are taking place now that allowed us when we weren't able to meet in person to be able to shift to online. I'm so grateful for the many people that helped us make that transition very quickly. And I know for me and my family, and I've heard from many of you that that was, uh, helped us maintain a meaningful connection to God and in a sense to each other in, in our faith. And yet I know 
that even though there's some aspects of that that were um, and maybe made it easier in some senses without commuting or dealing with weather or all that kind of stuff, there are many aspects of Celebrate Weekly as a Faith Catalyst that were, that were not the same online or in fact completely absent. Aspects which, were, which are essential to this being actually a faith catalyst in our lives. And so we want to be able to talk about this and say, okay, yeah, how does Celebrate Weekly, what does it mean for us actually to regather together in person, to experience this as something that catalyzes faith or that helps us grow like that tree in our lives? I want you to listen now to a passage of scripture that actually unpacks a little bit of, of how this happens and why this gathering, this weekly gathering of, of people together, people who are uh, exploring faith, people who are new to faith, people who are uh, faithfully following Jesus, what it means for us as we gather together and how it can actually become a faith catalyst in your life. So have a listen. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is actually one of, of many passages like it that, that describe what happens when the community of faith, when we as individuals come together um, to worship, to celebrate on a regular basis and what it does for our faith. And I think one of the most important, maybe the most important phrase in this whole passage, which, which anchors our understanding of this faith catalyst, is when, and this is the Apostle Paul writing to a church, he says, since as members of one body, as members of one body, and this is the starting point, I think, to realize this, is that um, the, the anchor idea for the community of faith is that we are a flesh and blood body. And what kind of body is it? Not just any body, the body of Christ. See, the most, probably the most profound and the most distinct aspect of Christian faith, of Christian spirituality, is that God came to us in the flesh. That Jesus Christ was an actual person, flesh and blood. It's fascinating, actually, when you read some of the accounts of the eyewitness friends of Jesus after he died and was raised to life, and they began going everywhere, telling everyone about him, what he had said and what he had done. Sometimes they, they would say things like this, what we saw with our eyes and heard with our ears and touched with our hands, this is what we're pro proclaiming to you. In other words, they're saying, we had a flesh and blood encounter with the living God. His name is Jesus. We actually touched him. We hugged him. You know, he hugged us. We actually heard him with our ears speak. We actually saw him with our eyes. We ate with him. We had a living encounter with the living God, Jesus Christ, in the flesh. This is the most distinctive aspect of Christian spirituality entirely. And then the church of Jesus Christ after that is called 
the body. And, and Paul reminds us, he says, remember, you are members of one body. And this is not members like card-carrying members. He means your body parts. And the way that body parts function is when they are together, literally in flesh and blood. And so he is anchoring this idea of faith in the flesh and blood person of Jesus Christ, which then leads to the flesh and blood presence of the church. And friends, this right away, we just have to say, is a total mystery. I don't know exactly how to explain it. I just know this. There is something about being in person with each other together that makes us more fully the body of Christ, flesh and blood, than if we were disconnected. And in many ways, for most of this last 18 months, we have been disconnected. It says, since as members of one body, you are a body. And then he says, as you gather together as a body, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish each other. Now, the word of Christ is actually this summary of saying both the words about Christ and the words that Christ spoke. And so basically saying, hey, when you're together your role is actually to remind each other of the things Jesus said. Like that's what they did when they got together. But before they had the Bible written down and they, they had the gospels written down, they told each other the stories. Remember when Jesus said that? Remember when Jesus said this? They would come together and someone in their midst was worrying about where their next meal was gonna come from. And they said, hey, remember when Jesus said, don't worry about what you will eat or drink. Remember he said, look at the, the birds and the, and the grass and the flowers. They don't worry about where they're gonna get fed from. And aren't you way more important to God than birds or grass or flowers? So don't worry. That was the words Christ literally spoke that they would speak to each other when they were together. Um, th but they also spoke the words of Christ as in the word about Christ. So when someone came in and they were feeling burdened down by their sin, they would confess it to each other and say, you're forgiven in Jesus. You're free in Jesus. You don't need to live in your old ways. Someone was discouraged because they were feeling sick and they were going to die. And they would remind them, remember, Jesus also died, but he was raised to life. And because of that, you and I will get a new body one day. And so they would comfort each other with those words for those who were suffering or who bo whose bodies were wasting away through hardship or sickness. That was what they did as the church. That's why it says, listen, it doesn't say, um, in this passage at least, come together and let one person tell you about it. This, the role the church had, even though there were preachers and teachers and apostles, they did it for each other. They say, right? He says, as you teach and admonish each other, there's a mutual sharing of the word of Christ, the truth about Christ, and the, the words that Christ actually spoke. They're saying, this is what happens when you come together. You need someone in flesh and blood, someone once said, to be Jesus with skin on to you, to speak the words of Christ as if Christ himself were right there speaking them to you. That's how it works as the church, where you come together and you let the words of Christ, the story of Christ dwell in you richly. And then he goes on and he says, so, and then sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. This was the idea of the psalms. There's actually a whole book in the Bible called Psalms, and they are prayers set to music. They are prayers actually that the people of faith would pray together. 
Yes, some of them were written by they were written by individuals on their own, but they were given to the community and the community began to use them as their group prayers. And they put them to songs because sometimes it just sounds so much better when someone's singing a prayer, right? Music has this way of like lifting prose out into a new level and poetry and and it and it touches the heart. Psalms where there's like it's like pray for each other, pray with each other, pray to God together. That's what they were doing with the Psalms and then the hymns and spiritual songs were ways that they sang poetically, beautifully, right? Like some of you, I know you you don't you don't sing, you mouth the words. You've told me you just mouth the words, but God, but you love the songs, right? You just you hate your own voice. Okay, it's all right. You go ahead and lip sync. What but why do you do it? But it touches you, it touches your heart. There's something, even for those of us that don't love singing, there's something about being in the environment of faith and we hear others sing. When our own hearts don't have a song in them, the others, the hearts that do, their songs lift us up. And we are blessed in this church to have amazing people who come every week prepared to lead us to God together. Come, let's go. Let's sing to the Lord. That's what happens in person together as we get to sing together. Even if it's through a mask, it's better than not being able to do it at all. Or like some of you are like, I didn't want to hear the sound of my own voice. So I didn't sing as I was sitting at home watching it online. But we come together and are able to do this together. This is what happens in the community of faith when we gather in the flesh and blood. We become the body of Christ together, right? The body parts by themselves are not anything other than an individual part. It's like a thumb trying to make sense of its life. No, no, it has to come together with the body. And when we are together, Christ is present. It actually says Christ dwelling in you. It's like Jesus makes his home amongst us when we are together. And it's like he was present in the flesh and blood because all of us are present in flesh and blood. It is a mystery, and yet it's doesn't, not a full mystery. We can actually even see and feel the tangible benefits of being together, which is another, if I can say it this way, in private, faith dies, but together, faith multiplies. In private, faith dies, but together, faith multiplies. See, on your own, right, uh, our spirituality, and this is what this passage is saying, it is personal, but it's not private. Private spirituality, private faith will eventually die. A faith that is not shared, that is not talked about, that is not experienced. Jesus didn't say, hey, I've done this for you, now go away on a mountain and experience me by yourself. Yes, our faith is personal. And Jesus, we read in the gospel, so so many person-to-person, face-to-face accounts of Jesus dealing with people. So we know he meets us where we are personally, uniquely, but not privately. We come together as a community. And the more we live isolated in our faith, and this has been a season where in a sense that has been forced upon us, but it has pressed us down and there's parts of your faith or actually your faith entirely that will die if it stays private. Together, it multiplies. And I think we need this more than ever in this season because you know what's multiplied that I see in a lot of places and even in my own heart? What's multiplied is fear because what I've been hearing more of is, is things that would make my heart be afraid. What is multiplied in this season is anger or angst because what I've been hearing more of is other people's anger or things that they say that I get angry about. What has multiplied in this season is cynicism and despair. What has multiplied in this season is doubt and distance. 
Friends, when that happens, faith gets more and more private, begins to die. Together, faith multiplies. We need to come back together and hear the songs of faith sung together. We need to come back together and hear other people pray for us. We need to come together and have our faith multiplied again. Celebrating weekly is a catalyst for your faith. Randomly, it won't really achieve much, but week after week, year after year, it allows you to put down roots in God and grow up with the life of God in you to become a life-giving source to others. That's how this works. One of the things we do regularly then, therefore, as the people of God, is we sing together. And so we're going to pause here and the band is going to lead us in a a song called So Will I. And it's actually, um, it's 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 a statement that someone makes to say, you know what, I have so many reasons to worship God. Um, But it's actually a song, you know, when we sing it together to say, I'm not alone saying this, actually, so will I, and so will I, and so will I. All of us, actually, when we sing it together, right, um, we get to, our faith actually grows, say, I'm not the only one. And I realize, and I, I want you to sing this today, even if you've never heard it before, you can just listen to the words as your commitment, as your statement to say, I will worship again. And so I invite you to do that as the band leads us. Just catch your breath 
So here's my encouragement and invitation to you, church. This is a season for us to come back and serve so we can celebrate together again. To come back and serve so we can celebrate together again. The reality is, if we're going to come back together, if we're going to celebrate weekly again together in the flesh, we actually all have to come back to be able to serve together. And let me give you just one small example of, of why that is the case. Uh, do you know that as a church, we are blessed to have almost 90 kids between the ages of zero and 10 in our church, almost 90 as a part of our church at the well. But do you know this, that for 18 months, they have had no opportunity to celebrate weekly in person, to have a worship gathering for them. And that was a huge part of our church really from day one. It's how many of you got connected um, through it. But we have this whole group of people, think about it. For 18 months, we've had opportunities for adults to gather in a sense. The youth have been able to gather in person. Now we've done so much, our kids team, to do stuff for the kids online and do some meetups for, in Halloween time and parking lots and all of that kind of stuff. But on a regular basis, the thing that they were used to having, their form of celebrating together in their language, with their music, with their teachers, with their peers, in their space, they have not been able to do for 18 months. And if they're gonna be able to come back and celebrate together again, they need us to be willing to come back and teach them. Us to be willing to come back and set up for them. Us to be willing to come back and be guides for them and small group leaders. Us to be willing to come back and play games with them. Us to be willing to come back and create a space for them to encounter God together. And that's just one small example of if we're gonna celebrate weekly again, we all actually need to come back and be willing to serve to make it happen. It's so interesting, right? When we talk about Jesus in the flesh, Jesus said this, I did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus himself, the one who started this movement, the one whose body we are, identified himself first and foremost as a servant. And so he is the one that invites us to come and find life again, to grow our faith, to celebrate weekly and serve each other as we do that. 
I'd love for you to listen to a story of a couple of people in our church who have done just that in these days of re-engaging, of coming back to celebrate weekly and to serve so that others can do that too. And I want you to listen to their story on what impact it's had on their life and their family. So I'd say that watching the online service was a, it was a good kind of interim, something that could fill the gap, but there were things that it could do versus not. Like you can listen to a message, you can listen to music and maybe sing along, but you're missing that corporate worship, singing all together. There's something about that. But most of all, I'd say uh, having a great community and being able to see people in person was the biggest thing we missed. Yeah, and not feel like every social interaction has to be planned in advance. Um, it was nice to chat with people before service and after service and just catch up on your weeks and not feel like it was had to be intentional all the time. <laughs> Definitely more gear. Um, every time we leave the house now, it feels like we're moving. But I think honestly, the hardest was the first one. Once we did it and realized, okay, that wasn't actually that big of a deal. After that, it was just, it became part of our routine. Like we got into a groove and it was just, it was just something and it wasn't that hard. And, and even along those lines, like a routine is, I think a good thing, especially with having a small one. Um, but not only that, we kind of wanted to build in that routine and rhythm of coming to church every week because we want that to be a part of her life especially as she grows up um, just having that community around her and being able to grow up with kids around her own age and experience that I think that's one of the things that we really wanted. So many things. <laughs> um, I think just the realization that we could do it alone, we could do it as a family, we could do it as a bubble, and we have for quite a while because of COVID and all the things, but by coming back on a weekly basis, I think it's reminded us every single week that we don't have to. Um, we are surrounded by a community that is here to hold us up and love us and give us super practical, hey, what do I do when she's teething? yelling all the time advice um, so that has been really nice to know that we're not here to do it alone we were never meant to do it alone and that we see that every single week we come I'd say um, coming back in person it definitely teaches you what's important and the things that you truly value um, so for myself, just being a part of the worship ministry and being able to play music, um, I think that it's not only a great opportunity, but I think it's a great privilege to be able to give back to God the gifts that He's given us. I think that's one of the things that I've learned and truly, um, you know, been able to appreciate. Because being away from it for so long, it's something that you might forget. But um, yeah, being able to give back to God what He's given to me.
If you go to thewell.ca slash serve, you will find so many different opportunities, um, hopefully suited to your passions and talents and giftings, if not just suited to, the, to your willingness to say, yes, I want to do this. I want to serve so we can come back together and celebrate weekly. So you can find opportunities to do that in each of your sites. And if you're new, this is a great way to get connected and actually meet other people. And we're going to be talking more about that as a faith catalyst in the coming weeks. But to put that out to you, as an opportunity for you to respond to this, to say, yeah, I want to be a part of us being able to come back together again and celebrate together again. Someone invited someone I know to church. It took them two years, but two years later, they finally said yes. And when they came, not only did someone greet them at the door, but they met someone they'd never known before. And that person became an amazing friend. And a couple years later, they got baptized and met Jesus. There was a kid in grade three who came to class one day, his class at the well, and his teacher was talking to him about the fact that, you know that God speaks to you? And that day, he heard God speak to him for the first time. Someone came into a weekly gathering and they had been experiencing dizziness and headaches and almost stroke-like symptoms. And the doctors had even done brain surgery because they were saying there's something wrong with the blood flow in the brain, but things weren't getting better. And after church, a few people were able to pray for this person and they got healed. Another person walked into church one day, burnt out on religion, pretty skeptical about all of it, but someone had invited them to come and they weren't sure what they believed or whether they believed and they were just looking around. And then they said, someone got up to the, in the front who was part of the band and in the middle between two songs, they prayed and I heard them talk to a God that they knew and it opened the door for me to think that maybe God is actually real. Maybe God is here. A young adult came into church a few years ago battling with anxiety and depression, had been invited many times, finally said yes. And in that moment, they said, as the songs began to play, they felt the peace and presence of God for the first time in their lives. All of those things already happened at our church in one of our weekly gatherings. And they are waiting to happen again. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a community that creates the space for God to do things like that so that collectively, all of us together can grow in our faith. As we uh, move on to uh, communion now as part of our weekly gathering here, I'd encourage you, you can, um, if you're watching at home, you can get some of the uh, a piece of cracker or bread or something and juice or whatever you have around. But we're going to take a moment together to actually experience the fact that Jesus came for us in the flesh and blood, someone who could actually be seen and heard and touched and gave up his life, someone who came to serve so that we in our flesh and blood together as the church might find life in him.